Hello, flashbackers. For many of us, it's hard to imagine the contour of our beaches without the signature look of the Destin East Pass and the rock jetties protruding into the Gulf of Mexico. They are a signature look of Destin and signal both exit and entry into the East Pass, a doorway to what many believe is the best fishing in the country. So many rocks, such a massive endeavor and all man-made. Well, except for the rocks themselves. Today's episode, the jetties at the Destin East Pass. But hey, I have a few rock questions for you. Why is the moon rock tastier than an earth rock? Well, because it's a little meteor. (laughs) Or how about this one? Why did the rock go to jail? Because the courts found him guilty. Or what did the metamorphic rock say during the test? This is too much pressure. (laughs) All right, I'll give you a second to catch your breath after all those wonderful jokes. But first, let's flashback. Welcome to Flashback, a podcast by the Okaloosa County Public Information Office. Get ready to dust the nostalgia off your sleeve as we talk with Okaloosa citizens who share with us how things used to be. I'm your host, Nick Tomacek. It's time to step into your imaginary DeLorean, tap your flux capacitor, and flash back. I'm going to climb up some of these rocks. Imagine a time when the jetties didn't exist. What would it look like? Will boats still be able to get out into the Gulf of Mexico? Well, the story of the jetties can't be told without first telling the story of how the pass came to be. The photos I've seen of Destin before the jetties were built show an east pass with the signs of nature as she works her gradual shifting of sand through Gulf currents and wind. I've also seen where the east pass used to be located further east, closer to the east end of the harbor. I've heard stories of the years of how the pass was created. I've heard it firsthand from descendants of the Marlar family, one of the founding families in Destin. I've heard it from boat captains and even from folks who tell stories like it was created from some jack wagon throwing a stick of dynamite to open it up. I've found zero evidence of that, by the way. One consistent story remains, and it involves people in the early days of Destin who knew how to get things done. In those days, people didn't ask for permission They just did it. Captain Wines. My friends call me Captain Kelly. This is Captain Kelly Wines. He's been fishing the waters outside of the Destin East Pass for decades. He's also a former Okaloosa County Commissioner. The story he tells of the East Pass coming to be is the most common one I hear. The East Pass, when it moved, it was in April of 1929. When you say moved, what do you you mean by that? That was when uh, O.T. Melvin and some of his cronies got out there in the spring of the year. It was in April. Captain Odom T. Melvin. O.T. Melvin was a man who in 1910 walked 35 miles from the Panama City area to become a legend in Destin. And in many ways he did. The cronies Captain Kelly was referring to were O.T. Melvin Jr., Captain Dewey Destin Sr., Adolph Weekly, and Ian Strickland. 
All the rivers in the bay were swollen, heavy, you know, uh, big high water. It wasn't a tropical system. It, just it wasn't, of, okay. No. Anyway, O.T. and his boys, they got their shovels out there, and everybody laughed at them said, what are you doing? I said, well, we're going to change the course of history. They opened a little bitty cut with shovels, and this was about dark. I wasn't there, but this is a story I got uh -huh. from reliable sources. Okay. I knew a lot of those old codgers before, back yeah. in the day. By morning time, after they opened that little cut, the current turned out, and it was 800 feet wide and six or 800 feet wide and eight feet deep and just pouring out and getting bigger all the time. Wow. They knew what they were doing. Some accounts have them using oars from a skiff as shovels with the intent to drain the bay so that floodwaters from storms and rain would not inundate their homes that were on the water. My uncle and my dad and my grandfather all were fishermen. Uh, my grandfather brought the family here in 1932 and got the 40 acres and a mule. And so all the his kids had, had homesteaded, you know. And uh, But they all became fishermen. My uncle Irby and my dad's name was Charles. They called him Mr. Charlie. And they, they had an old boat called Miss Juline. And my uncle Irby was the mainstay of it, but my father fished with him. And of course, when I was about 12, I started going as a deckhand. And it got in my blood. Mm -hmm. And uh, in fact, they wouldn't let me go fishing, but about two days a week in the summer when I was out of school because they didn't want to burn me out on it. Little did they know they couldn't burn me out on fishing. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I got my captain's license when I was 20, but I had to go to the Navy when I was 20. At night, almost 20, I went and joined the Navy. I got the greetings letter from Uncle Sam. Mm -hmm. told, told me I would join the service of my choice within 60 days or they would place me. So I, I went in the Navy. February the 6th of 1966. Okay, Vietnam. Yes. And uh, so I, they sent me off to quartermaster school, which is navigation, celestial navigation, radar, all that stuff, which I loved because it was right in my wheelhouse. And then uh, I went aboard a ship in uh, a destroyer, DD-844, uh, which, which home ported at Mayport, which wasn't too far from home in Jacksonville. So I'd hitchhike home on the weekends. It's pretty good duty. When I was home over Christmas or something, I'd go fishing and deckhand and whatnot. So I got out of the Navy in uh, 68, right at the end of 68. I think it was about 1st of November. So anyway, I, I had my license. I came home, I run a boat for old Chubby Destin and Tommy Brandon. They were partners in a boat. I run a boat called the Blue Waters for a couple of years. And then I got into business with Captain Cecil Woodward. I was a partner. We built a boat together and that lasted five years. I got the first true charter boat that uh, Buddy Gentry and Steve Sauer and GNS Boats who were in Destin built a fine world-class sport fishing boat. They built the first pure charter boat for me. It was called the Sunrise 46-footer. I had, they built me five more boats after that over the years. I remember coming home from the Navy, I, and I'm just, this is just a rough guess. I can't be exactly positive of the dates, but when I came home and lo and behold, there were jetties there. Yeah. And I thought, look at here. That was a big happening, you know. I found a story by the Dustin Log written by Tina Harbuck, where she references a report by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers that gives us the timeline of the jetties. According to the stories we know about 1929 is when Destin's founding members, the cronies of O.T. Melvin, dug the current East Pass. And then according to the report, the East Pass was first dredged in 1931 to remove sand and make it safer to navigate. The pass was dredged a total of 22 times between April 1931 and December 1967 when the construction of the jetty started. 
Construction lasted more than a year and was completed in January 1969. A total of 61,000 tons of cover stone and core stone and 24,200 tons of blanket material was placed at a total of $980,000. It, it did help some. I, you know, I'm not an engineer, but I think they, they had a big weir there that was several hundred yards long to let the water spill over. According to the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, the weir section that Captain Kelly's talking about is typically less than a thousand feet long and is a depressed region of the jetty that permits waves and the longshore current generated by wind waves and tide to transport sediments moving along the coast to enter a deposition basin located at the lee of the weir, thereby reducing the amount of sediment entering the navigation channel. A weir was initially installed at the West Jetty. The purpose of the weir may have had unintended consequences, though. Swimmers at the nearby officer club reported encountering stronger currents in that area, and in March 1981, U.S. Coast Guard Machinery Technician 3rd Class Lonnie Jones responded with two other guardsmen to a mariner in distress, and they were in a lifeboat south of the East Pass in rough waters. So the Coast Guard went out to try and catch those guys and save them, but they never made it out of the pass. The water was so rough, their boat and Mr. Jones died from hypothermia after the Coast Guard boat capsized. The rough weather and the currents caused by the wear were believed to have been factors in the tragic incident. Shortly after that, the Army Corps of Engineers worked to add additional rocks to seal up the wear. So they, a few years later, I don't remember the date, they closed up the weir and then that made more current funneling out of there, you know, under more velocity. And it was supposed to keep the, the channel dredged out, but they still have to dredge it every few yeah. years. You know, that didn't work as well as they thought either. So engineers are real smart and they do a lot of good, but Mother Nature's smarter and she's bigger. She is and she doesn't care about us. She so. don't give a damn. Um. But uh, it's still a dangerous pass, even with the jetties. You know, uh, you get a hard, big southeaster running and uh, if it has any time to build a swell when the current turns out you better be careful mm -hmm. a lot of times when i was charter fishing and sometimes when i'm still commercial fishing now if it's a heavy sea out of the southeast i'll go in at pensacola and come up intercoastal because it's calm and safe and we can cook all the way on it's true so there's a lot of advantages crab island at one time was actually a, a low-lying island but it was due to dredge spoil it wasn't a natural okay. island. all right uh, old Redden Brunson, who died two or three years ago at the age of 100, told me, he said, before the dredges came to dredge out the North Channel and put it right there on Crab Island, oh, okay. he said it was never above, you know, so it's not a natural island. It's a, it's a spoil area. Hmm. But, of course, seagrasses have grown on it, and people think it's like that forever, you know. But Well, I appreciate you chatting with me. All right. Good enough. All right, man. Hope it helped. Absolutely. I feel lucky to have had the opportunity to speak with Captain Kelly and listen to his stories. I've been out to the jetties a bunch. It's a great place. It has something for everyone, anglers, beachgoers. It's a great place to have a photo shoot. It's a great place to see both the Gulf of Mexico and East Pass at the same time. Also snorkelers, scuba divers, they frequent the area. This is a good time to remind you that the East Pass, while beautiful, is also a dangerous place. Never swim in the East Pass. The currents are too much for even some boats. The public can gain access via Gulf Shore Boulevard, and almost to the end of the road is the Austin Beach Access, which is managed by the city of Destin. I took a recent walk out there, 
and it still remains one of the most unique beach landscapes in Okaloosa County. The rocks are just huge, just totally not something you ex would expect on a beach, but just so massive. And you can see the, the layers of history on these rocks came from Paducah, Kentucky, granite, most likely. Kids like to scramble on them and play. Fishermen like to get a good view of the water, look for uh, various fishing opportunities. Other people just like to walk and look at them. It's definitely something that if you saw it, you'd have the urge to climb up on if you were a, an adventurous person. Still very, so very peaceful at the same time. I wonder if O.T. Melvin and his cronies, as Captain Kelly calls them, ever thought of this kind of history when they set out with their shovels to create a new waterway. It's been nearly 100 years since the Destin Pass was opened. What the next 100 years holds for the past and the jetties is predictable. The rocks will be there long after we are gone. And the businesses that rely on the past remaining open are sure to work to keep it that way. And that iconic brilliance that shines in the most vibrant colors of the Gulf of Mexico is sure to flow with the tides in and out of the gateway to Destin Fort Walton Beach. Our program was written and edited by me, Nick Tomacek. Our theme music is composed by Jason Shaw on Audionautics.com. Special thanks to Captain Kelly and all of the boat captains that call Destin home. Stay safe out there. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you around town. <laughs>